0: We've been on a series in the book of Revelation and we had last week talked about uh, the chapter six, the first part of chapter six, the four horsemen, four horsemen of the apocalypse. The beginning when the scrolls, the seals begin to be broken and each horseman was was uh, riding out, bringing different uh, parts of the apocalypse along. For instance, the first horse, a white horse. Uh, to bring a false peace or a peace that would then be taken away by the fiery red uh, horse rider. Um, and then the third one, the black horse of famine and pestilence came. And then the pale green horse uh, of death and Hades. That brings us into our seventh uh, our seventh lesson, or part seven of our series on the book of Revelation in chapter six, verses nine through 17. And we are going to uh, get into this tonight, and this couldn't be a more timely passage or book for us to be studying right now because of current world events. Yeah. With all the terror breaking across the planet, we're coming into an era of terror. terror. We're coming into a time when, when terror is going to be more and more frequent, when it's something that almost is, is expected to happen. Terrorism is a link to the future. It's a sign of the times. The blood of the martyrs is a seed of the church. the 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 blood of the martyrs that are that are being beheaded across the world for the sake of Christ is really the seed of the church. And so, when whether it's through opposition of, of or persecution of physical means, uh, whether it be death or or torture or just rejection and spiritual um, spiritual persecution. We have all experienced resistance to our testimony, I'm sure. Maybe some of you that are fairly new as a Christian, you've, you've experienced what it's like to walk into your workplace as a Christian where people have known you from your previous heart condition, and now they know you. Now they are beginning to try to know you in a different light, and they may, um, they may jeer and, and persecute you, uh, saying that it's not real, that it's a put on because they saw what you were like before. But ultimately, there's coming a time when terror will reign over the earth. And we're in this series, as I said, the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation is about the future, and the future is now. Uh, Bob Dylan wrote uh, a song and sang about uh, uh, the times they are changing, and that is for sure that the times are changing. In 2014, uh, President Barack Obama, speaking about a changing world, says, the world is spinning so fast that no one has the power to control it. And just thinking about how fast things are changing, the headlines of the past decade and even more so in the past three years have uh, been proof of a changing world. For instance, terror of violence on Christianity, like the recognition by a large part of the United States of the Muslim faith almost as the underdog, as the one that needs defense over Christianity. And think about the fact that that came after 9/11, an attack that was known to be a, a attack of um, Islamic faith, of that is, uh, Islamics attacked the twin towers, and that even they thought of erecting a, a Muslim mosque there at Ground Zero at one time. Now that goes to defy reason, right? That we would even that people would even think in that way. But that is one sign that the times are definitely changing. Muslim refugees flooding countries around the globe and to bring terror to the streets. You know, I was on the way down to to Hot Springs with uh, Kevin and with Dennis, and Kevin was talking about that at one time in Arkansas, there was uh, detention camps for Japanese-Americans when the Japanese in America were in in the heat of it, that they once detained Japanese Americans just because of what was going on between Japan and the United States. But yet now, if we have an attack from a people group, now they want to erect a religious uh, facility on the grounds where the attack happened. And then we have... Muslim refugees flooding countries around the globe and then bringing terror on the streets. We're seeing that these Syrian refugees who are getting into countries are now uh, looting and rioting and, and uh, uh, raping and pillaging. And then there's the beheadings and torturous acts by ISIS on a daily basis. And then we have terror on Christian li- liberties, the gay and lesbian transgender b- behavior classified as equal to race. Think about that for a moment. See, we've gotten a little, I'm, I believe that we get desensitized. That's a, the attempt of the enemy. Those of us that have been believers for some time, this has been a, a, a relatively quick fade, but in a way it's been, uh, it's been um, over some time. But homosexual behavior has been made equal to race. Race. Then you have uh, the gay gay marriage recognized by the highest court of our land in an effort to redefine God's institution of holy matrimony or marriage. So much so that the president has the White House illuminated in rainbow colors in support of. And then the public restroom, once a place to maintain decency in in an advanced society, is now a battleground to force Christians to let go of their convictions and strong beliefs on sheltering their children from perversion. The Ebola virus spreading to America, exposed, uh, us being exposed constantly to more radical forms of Islam. It's just a constant um, uh, reign of terror on what we have known as our traditional Christian life in the United States. New York Times columnist, columnist Roger Cohen wrote an article a few years ago titled, The Great Unraveling. and This article is describing the current state of affairs in America across the planet. And he writes it at a time, that it's a time of great disorientation, and that no one can connect the dots, the dots regarding the the continual crises we see around the world, that no one can connect the dots or make sense of it. Well, Revelation, this book, enables us to connect the dots. It gives us last days, scenarios, the the truth regarding the future. And at one time, I'm sure 50 years ago, I was listening to some sermons, uh, one by... Uh, uh, Brother Towser and others that, that back uh, before the 60s that were, were uh, expounding on the book of Revelation. And then they even felt like it was the end times at that time. But never before have we seen the fulfillment of prophecy happening at such a rapid pace as we are now. We are on, in the end times. Now we all realize, don't we, that something is desperately wrong in this world right now. I mean, we are cheering all the good things happening. The church across the world is growing, although the church in the United States is declining. The church across the planet is growing, and especially in those areas of persecution. There's, there's little cells where that's, that's not the case, like in Iraq where, where people are fleeing, Christians are fleeing for their lives, and, and the church is being eradicated from areas. But as, as a large part, the numbers of folks who are coming to know Christ In other countries, is growing. So we're cheering that, and we're cheering that lives are being changed. We hear in our own backyard, uh, men at the jail accepting the Lord, people in our services accepting the Lord, uh, people being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we can celebrate that. Uh, As a matter of fact, in the last days, there will be a great outpouring. The Scripture says of the Spirit of God and the belief in Jesus Messiah. But in connecting the dots, as we as we do in Revelation, we know there's something desperately wrong in this world, and we wonder what's going to happen next, don't you? I, I do. I, at least once a week, I wonder what's coming next. Will there be another attack from uh, a radical Islamist? Will there be more deadly diseases? Will the U.S. survive or become a Muslim nation under oppression and captivity? Are we literally getting ready to see ourselves live out the story of the children of Israel, clear back to the time of Moses, and see ourselves under captivity of a pagan nation? Will Iran make a nuclear weapon and use it on Israel and the rest of the world? Will, will we lose our freedom of religion as Christians? I believe we are no longer afforded the latitude to be weak consumer believers only to follow where we feel blessed and fulfilled. I'm telling you that in the United States, we we go after what feels good, what feels right, what sounds right to us at the time. The scripture says in the last days, people will look for what will itch their ears, what will tickle their fancy at the time. They'll flip from one thing to another. But in the end times, when you're facing your life to follow Christ or, or die following Christ or live, but change with the tides of the world. We won't be able to afford to be finicky or be a consumer Christian any longer. Will we be put in the place of, to either follow Christ and truly suffer or deny Him and live the world's lifestyles? Thankfully, if we endure, we'll be either killed and go on to be immediately with the Lord or be raptured before the worst has come. Now, Pastor C.J., you're saying, this is horrible. I've had a long work week already, and I come for that oasis on Wednesday night to be refreshed and rejuvenated. Well, believer, if you're truly following Christ and you heed these words tonight, then you have uh, time to rejoice because this whole passage is about the time of the Great Tribulation and if you're a believer, you won't be here for that. Revelation 6, 12 through 19 is ultimately is the time described as a great tribulation after the church is raptured and and all hell is unleashed on earth. In 303 AD, during the reign of Emperor uh, uh, Delician, uh Antron You know what? Big word, big word, big word, big word. Because I... You know, when Pastor Armando was preaching last week, he kept looking at me uh, if he was saying things right. And I said, brother, your your challenge is Spanish. Mine's just the Bible. Um, So that leader, the Elysian and Andronicus, there we go, was martyred. Andronicus was martyred for his faith. But this is what he said in response to his coming doom for the faith of Jesus Christ. This is what Andronicus said. He said, do your worst. Do your worst. I am a Christian. Reminds me of The Princess Bride. Anybody seen that movie? Do your worst. Remember when he's laying there in the bed and he can't really stand up, but he's calling his bluff? Nobody saw that? Okay. All right. Do your worst. I am a Christian. Christ is my help and supporter. And thus, armed, I will never serve your gods. Nor do I fear your authority or that you... Uh, that of your master or the emperor that siren would have been better placed at the intro to my sermon talking about all the destruction coming but anyway commence your torments as soon as you please and make use of every means that your uh, malignancy can invent and you shall find in the end that i am not to be shaken from my resolution in the face of even death for the cause of christ he says do your worst you're going to, you know, I'll never serve your gods. You're, you're not going to be able to force me into anything. In the end, you're going to see that I will resolve to follow my God. Andronicus was unwilling to deny his faith, and so he was imprisoned. He was whipped. He was tortured, thrown to the wild beast. And eventually, tough dude, because that didn't kill him. Eventually, he had to be killed with a sword, but he continued steadfast in his faith. Another example, Thomas uh, Hogger died in England in 1555. He was in prison the day before he was killed, and his friend next to him said this. I want you to pay close attention to the resolve of this believer. This friend next to him in prison says, Thomas, I have to ask you a favor. I need to know if what the others say about the grace of God is true. Tomorrow when they burn you at the stake, if, if, if the pain is tolerable, if your mind is still at peace, lift your hands above your head. Do it right before you die. Thomas, I have to know. And Thomas promised that he would. The next day, Hawker was bound to the stake and lit on fire. As he was burned so severely and his skin uh, disforming and everyone thought he was dead until in a moment... He lifted his burning hands above his head towards the heavens and clapped three times. And the people surrounding burst into shouts of praise and his friend's request was answered. There's a Chinese pastor and evangelist, Li Du uh, Xian, and he has been beaten unmercifully and put into prison on many occasions. In one six-month period, he is arrested 13 times for illegal preaching. And this is what he said. Humanly speaking, we know that no one likes to suffer physically. And that's pretty much the truth, isn't it? But I know that if the Lord leads me into it, He will give me the strength to survive it. Today we'll be looking at the fifth and sixth seals Jesus breaks open from God's scroll of destiny and His last will and testament for humanity and the universe. I'm going to read to you Revelation chapter 6, verses 9-11. Uh, through 11. who those who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Although there's several different views as to who these martyrs are, their cry to God for me transcends time, and and this cry can be from any who died for the faith in Jesus Christ. I I believe myself that these are those who have died uh, for the cause of Christ. And knowing that this is at the great tribulation, we also know that there will be some who believe in the tribulation time. Now, Jesus comes back to the church. It's too late, you know, decision made. However, we know that some will be believers then. Now, there are some who make a grave mistake in thinking, you know what, well, then I've got another chance. But here's the thing. There's no guaranteed second chances because only the Father knows when he's sending Jesus back for his church. We don't know. We're not promised even tonight we could go out of here and and not live to see the next day. This might be the last sermon uh, that you ever hear. So that's a very grave mistake to make. To think, well, I've got another chance during the tribulation. For another thing, there's a lot going on during that time. And there is so much pressure. And it talks about the Spirit of God being lifted. And, and, and there is, it, the people that come to know him and follow him during that time are likely those who you yourself or some other believer have told the gospel story before, and they rejected it, but they remembered. And during this time, they're going to be thinking, I remember that cassette tape clear back 20 years ago. Where is that in the closet? I remember that that Bible that someone gave me. I remember that tract they gave me. And they're going to go digging for it, and they're going to find Jesus in that moment, and they're going to accept him. But their trial is going to be greater than we ever experienced here during that time. So some of these, when he talks about those who who still have to die for the same sake that they did, these are martyrs of the past, and I believe that what God is telling them is you have to wait until that number is complete because there are more who are going to die for their faith during the tribulation time. If I could give you a rough translation, it would read, Lord, you who are holy and true, how long before you stop the injustice and the evil? And while the debate continues as to Who these martyrs are, uh, who they are isn't the important point. Rather, it's that they died for their faith and are special to God, holding a special place before him under the altar. What's significant about them being under the altar? You know, in in all actuality, we call this an altar, and it's a wooden bench that's made beautifully for, for use for an altar. Or sometimes we say, well, this chair up here can be an altar, or this platform can be an altar. Are we being facetious or anything? Is those, are those really altars? No, unless. An altar is a place of sacrifice. Unless a sacrifice is being made. If you come up just to catch a little bit of shut-eye during the service and look spiritual, then no, it's not a place of an altar. It's just a place you fell asleep rather than your pew. But the idea of being under the altar is significant because it's the altar of sacrifice in The earthly temple, this is where the animals were sacrificed and their blood poured out uh, for the forgiveness of sin. This place, when they killed the animal, the blood would run under the altar. That was where the real sacrifice of blood, that was what the point of the sacrifice was, blood ran under the altar. But see, this altar in heaven that we're speaking of is not an altar where there's been animal blood, but the blood of the lamb the Son of God, Jesus. And so the significance of them being under the altar is the protection under the blood of the Lamb, these that are the martyrs. So the blood is shed upon the cross to redeem us, and and it's here before God's heavenly altar, at at His very foot, that now stands all those who sacrifice their lives for their faith. They're martyrs because they died for their witness of Jesus Christ, which sets them apart from anybody that died from natural causes or any other disaster. But specifically, they were challenged, deny your faith or lose your life, and they gave their life up. So they have this special place. They're offered these white robes. They're told, just rest a little bit longer. But they're crying out to God, how much longer before you avenge us? You think about those, those uh, Egyptian Christians who were led out to the, the ocean front, to the sea, and who are bent over and who they were um, viciously beheaded. And I believe that those believers will be there. They are counted among those who will be under that altar at the foot of the throne. But, but during this time of tribulation, the entire world will be completely antichrist. That is, it will be against everything that God is. Everything that is of God. And against his word and all those who live by his word. Yet this is nothing new at least for believers as we look at history. In fact, Scripture says that the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. Scripture said back then it's already been loosed on the earth, the spirit of the Antichrist. But all the way back to the Babylonian captivity of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's statue, when Nebuchadnezzar told them to bow or burn, they basically said, Nebi, or do your worst. And know that God can deliver us from your furnace of flames. But if he doesn't, know that we'll never bow. That is an awesome... I'm telling you, if you can get to your place and the walk with the Lord, and maybe you're there, you know without a shadow of a doubt, it's not just words, it's not just because you're using Christianese, but you know that if you're faced with that, you've resolved in your heart that I will not bow. The mass shooter can come in and say, deny your Jesus and live or keep him and die. That you can say... Do your worst, because I'll never bow. I'll never give him up. And so Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the fiery furnace. And if you may know the story, and then Jesus met them there and they kept them safe and delivered them. But not everyone who has stood their ground has been delivered. Many faced persecution and even martyr's death. The writer of the Hebrews tells us something of them. He said, "Still others had trial of mockings and scornings and scourgings. Yes, and." of chains and imprisonment they were stoned they were sawn in two were tempted were slain with a sword they wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins being destitute afflicted tormented of whom the world was not worthy they wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth and all these have obtained a good testimony through faith hebrews 11:36-39 This same devotion was also seen in the first church when the religious authorities told Peter and John to no longer preach in the name of Jesus, and Peter said, We ought to obey God rather than men, in Acts 5 29. And while Peter and John were delivered, others weren't. Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was stoned to death, and when he refused to deny Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ and testified before the hostile crowd. But Throughout the centuries, others have stood their ground and didn't deny the faith and were persecuted and put to death. Now this isn't talking about the fact that, you know, you have a disagreement over doctrine with, you know, another church or another person or whatever, and you stand your ground on your split hairs, on your doctrine. And so you've not denied your faith. This is not that. This is denying Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, something that we should all have as a common denominator, as believers. That's where the rubber meets the road. It's it's a full either full denial of Christ or not, and they said, "You offer us money that remains behind, and that glory and glory fades away. You seek to make us friends of the emperor, but alienate us from the true King." I'm sorry. Let me let me back up. And this is this is in the story of there was 40 Christian soldiers of of uh, the Thundering Legion in the fourth century. The governor commanded that they make an offering to the Roman gods, which they refused. And to change their minds, he offered them money and uh, imperial honors. But if they refused, then torment and death. And they said, you offer us money that remains behind and the glory fades away. You seek to make us friends of the emperor, emperor, but alienate us from the true king. We desire one gift, the crown of righteousness. We are anxious for the one glory of the heavenly kingdom. We love honors. We love honors of those in of heaven you threaten fearful torments and call our godliness a crime but you will not find us faint-hearted or attached to this life or easily stricken with terror for the love of god we are prepared to endure any kind of torture now this so infuriated the governor he was going to torture them slowly so he made them strip and placed in the middle of a frozen lake to increase their torment and turn them Toward, away from their faith, he placed hot baths around the lake. One of them weakened and recanted his faith, making the way to the hot bath. But a remarkable thing happened as he had all his soldiers standing guard so none could flee, and he got one to turn and go to the hot bath. All of a sudden, one of his soldiers stripped down and said, I am a Christian, and he bowed down to the Lord. There is a power that no, the, that no king on earth can ever understand or combat and listen there are people who are bowing down to our president on things that are defying God, but they will find that that president is no friend of theirs he is not going to he is not going to befriend you he is not going to protect you he is not going to try to guide you his goal is to pleasure himself and and those who Satan are, is using in his in his power and he is not going to turn and and be on the Christian side just because they have bent on their faith and gone along with the flow. In fact, once they have that accomplished, they'll push the envelope further. It's like the bully in the schoolyard. Once the line is drawn and you step across it, the bully will draw another line, and that will go on and on. These stories of shared persecution are, are even found in our civilized world, a world that uh, continues to reject God's word and God's people. Even in America, the writing is on the wall. We see signs of this rejection as more and more people are with greater intensity rejecting and cursing and denying and ignoring and neglecting and disobeying. Uh, Brother Towser in his, one of his messages in the 50s was talking about the fact that the very people that use God's name in vain as a profanity will one day be faced with the fact that he will come back and they will no longer have a chance to be with him and they will think about the name that they use so flippantly that has so much power and they will be faced against that power. But during this seven-year tribulation that this script, this passage is about, the whole world will completely reject Jesus Christ and God's word. And it would seem that there's uh, a, that it seemed that they'd actually exist in a new law one one against worshiping anyone except the Antichrist. And so we get this prayer in heaven of the martyred saints, saying, and as I see this prayer, it's not one of vengeance. I don't see that they are. They have a heart of vengeance here. It's it's not that they're wanting vengeance for themselves. It's that they know that the persecution of the saints will continue until God finally does away with Satan and his kingdom. They're crying out for God to stop the injustice against his word, his honor, his glory, and his people. And this is the same cry that his people have been crying out for these years. And King David best summed it up, this cry of the people in Psalms 94. when He says, Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? They utter speech and they speak in insolent things. All the workers of iniquity boast in themselves. Psalms 94, 2 through 3. I have never in my life in some of the, you know, I've made it known like on Facebook and other social media, I don't unfriend unbelievers for acting like unbelievers. I kind of wonder if a Christian says, hey, when they start using foul language and everything, I unfriend them. I'm like, unfriend your Christian friends who claim Christ and and do that because Scripture actually backs you up on that. But don't unfriend the unbeliever for acting like an unbeliever because then you shut the door for them to see your light. You know, the darker it gets, the brighter the light needs to be to see in the darkness. And so... It's amazing to me though because I've opened myself up to see just how bad things are going because I have so many unbelievers as friends on social media that the blatant disregard for even any reverence for Jesus, whether they believe he's real or not, but even the reverence for those who do believe has gone. There is very few who will. The blasphemy is so strong it is just almost hard to, to read or, or, or even anticipate or, or accept. Is incredible. People will mock Jesus so harshly. It's not. It's not. It's It's almost used to, if somebody mocked Jesus, I thought, well, they just don't believe he's real. It's almost like these folks believe it's real. They know he's real, but they have so let their hearts be hardened and they've turned their heart over, their heart has become reprobate. But now it's a war in their soul to try to defeat Jesus. They've totally signed on with the armies of hell and they have nothing on their agenda but to attack Jesus Jesus and anyone who follows him. But we should never be about the business of revenge. This is hard for me. There is something that rises up within me when I see injustice. And God wants us to be the ones on the side of justice, but we should never be about the business of revenge. There's times I've, if I didn't have a family right now, as crazy as you may think this sounds, I think I would have, gone over to Israel or something and and signed up to start taking people out rather than watch Christians being beheaded. But that's not what we have to be careful about that. Jesus taught us to forgive those who sin and do wrong against us. And if we don't, then even our Heavenly Father won't forgive our sins. And we should never seek to harm those who have harmed and done evil against us. Listen to another message where that was the focus of how many of us are not experiencing God's blessing or moving in our life because we have so much unforgiveness. Because if you really look into the passages that talk about forgiveness, you can't harbor even one thing. You can't knowingly harbor anything against anyone, whether you know them personally or not, or else God says he will not forgive you of your sins. And so some of us are carrying around a baggage of sins on our shoulders, and we're wondering why we don't feel different. And why we don't feel the light or the spark in our lives that we maybe once felt as a believer, it's because we have resigned to not forgive. And once you've made it in your heart that there are certain boundaries to your forgiveness, then God stops forgiving you of your sins, and you're in a dangerous spot, my friend. Because you will let yourself get desensitized, and no matter what message you hear from, no matter who you respect or don't respect, you will find yourself in a spot that your heart is hardened and it will have no effect. And you'll go on about your life, and then Scripture talks about people be marrying and doing things, and then Christ will come back. And where will you stand when you've harbored that unforgiveness? I could go through Scripture after Scripture where God gives examples of those who made the decision that they would not heed that Scripture, that they would not forgive. And God says, I will not forgive them. And a bunch of that's directed at the believer. He doesn't hold the unbeliever to act as a believer. He's talking to the believers, not the unbelievers. So we should never be about the business of revenge. And this is the Apostle Paul's advice. And when you read this, remember Paul was persecuted not only by Rome, but also by his own people, the Jews and the Christians as well. At one time, Paul was kind of a jack of all trades. He had the knowledge, he had the background, he had the heritage, he had the citizenship, he had everything, to where there was very few people groups that wouldn't respect Paul when he was Saul. More of a respect of fear, but they had to. This is what Paul says. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. I will tell you when my heart gets broken most is because I have given someone the benefit of the doubt and and my heart gets crushed, but I don't reject that and try to harden my heart or put up a wall the next time because God's way is for us to give them that chance. And if they hurt us, love them anyway. Some of us think if someone hurts us, then our job is to push them away. But that's not what Paul's telling us here. It goes on to say, "If if it is possible, if it is possible as much as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all men. That means you only have half of the ability. The other person has the other half. But as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Romans 12:17 through 21. To their cry as to how long they were going to have to wait, God answers they should rest because the time wasn't yet. He says in response to those who lost their life in horrible manners. I'm not talking about they just killed over and it was when they're preaching. I'm talking about beheadings and torture of all kinds, boiled in oil. These martyrs, he said, to their their cry out, when are you going to do something to these folks who have done this? He says, rest. He says you should rest because the time wasn't yet. We need to know that God will act, but according to his agenda, not ours, God will move, but his uh, criterion is different. We often think of justice, whereas God is long-suffering, wishing none to perish. He might just be waiting for us to get a clue to forgive our enemy that our enemy might have a chance to believe. I'm going to go out on limb here and I'm probably going to get some secret nasty letters that never get to me, but they're written in the heads of those here. But you know, I'm as angry about our elections and the things that are happening in our government as anyone. I really am. But as a believer, not your pastor, but just as a believer, I'm reminded of the fact that I'm at war with those things of the Spirit and that I can get robbed of what God has for me because I harbor anger and bitterness and lash out in a way that would not be fitting to the way of Christ. And in that, as much as it seems unfeasible, unheard of, as much as you may think uh, Hillary Clinton is the Antichrist or whoever you think or whatever you don't like, Trump or Bernie or whoever, I'm not, I'm not picking anyone, I'm just saying whoever you don't like and you think is the Antichrist, if we harbor those feelings, those ill feelings to them, I've thought about this. It's almost like there's a bit of just common sense to it. Now, I'm not taking the defense of our president on the decisions he's making. But I'm saying if if I were he who had a war in my heart between the Holy Spirit and the enemy and the Christians responded in the way that I see much of Christianity responding, I think I might just be pushed in the other direction. Sometimes at work, we don't realize, or in our family or whatever, we don't realize that the things we say, there's listening ears. And while we think they're mature enough to hear it or they can make their own decisions, we may be doing as much for the enemy and swaying the hearts of of believers and unbelievers in the wrong direction, more so than we think. For myself, I found it best to walk with God, being a conduit of his grace and mercy, rather than to speak judgment and then to be judged in the same manner. So God tells them to chill and take advantage of the rest he has provided. I mean, what better place could a believer be than under the altar, the altar, the sacred altar in heaven in the throne room of God? Is there any place in this universe, in anything that's ever been created by God, to be safer for the believer than right there? No. There is no other place. And so he's telling them, rest. You have no danger anymore. Let my business be my business. You're safe. You have gained your reward. And here, put on these white robes. I I imagine like at the spa. They give you the big fluffy, you know, big fluffy soft robe. I have never worn one of those, by the way, just making that clear. And guys are laughing. Maybe your wives made you. But, you know, I'm thinking uh, uh, something of comfort, something of honor, something of, of, of <clears throat> something that says you're treasured, you're prized. You know when we go to those nice hotels that have those hanging? I haven't stayed in a whole lot where they provide that. You, usually they have a towel that says do not steal or something like that. But, you know, but if you got one of those hotel rooms that has a big fluffy robe, you put it on, you put the little slippers on, and, you know, you're thinking, now this is living. This is how the rich folk do it, right? Now I'm not saying this is exactly how these white robes are, are taken to heaven, but I'm saying these are these are folks who God, his heart beats very dearly for those who did and made the ultimate sacrifice, who followed exactly in the footsteps of Christ and gave their life for the cause of Christ. They rest from their labor labor in Revelation fourteen thirteen. Blessed are those blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works follow them. And then Revelation twenty-one, twenty-seven. This is the rest from the wicked. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor if will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That means in heaven you have no fear of any evil ever touching you or getting any close proximity of you. Revelation 21, 4. This is rest from the life's trials. And God will wipe away every tear, amen, from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. The former things have passed away. No more tears. How many have had something this week that either broke your heart or just weighed heavy on you? Think about eternity without the possibility. Of that, there's not something around the corner. You're not waiting for that next bill to come in to see what your doom is. You're not waiting to find out what the outcome of that of that medical test. You're not waiting to find out what's going to happen to a family member who is in is is in a, a struggling time. No more tears. It's all passed away. God hears the cries of His people and will avenge them. Jesus said in Luke 18. Uh, Verses seven through eight. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will really find faith. Will he really find faith on the earth? The widow that Jesus was referring to cried for justice, the same as these martyred saints And while Jesus confirmed that God will avenge, his question is indeed penetrating for us. Will he find faith when he returns? You know, some of this we think, well, he already knows what I'm going to decide. Yes, but he's not decided for you. I think it's interesting when we talk about the centurion again, who Jesus, he asked him to go go heal someone, and the centurion said, I'm a man, basically of the military, and I understand leading men. And if I just speak the words, my men go do it. So I know if you just speak the words, will be healed. You don't even need to go. Had anybody else done that to Jesus? No, they're begging. Jesus, you got to come with me. Jesus, come on. I need your help. Jesus, come on. And he recognizes Jesus' full power, and he says, all you got to do is speak the words. I have faith. And Jesus, it says, was amazed by his faith. So the question still stands. Will he find any faithful in the end? And on the heels of the martyr's cry Jesus breaks the sixth seal, and the earth begins to reel under God's judgment and wrath. Revelation chapter six, verses twelve through seventeen it says, When he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, the moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth, as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished the sky vanished like a scroll, It's been known that over the years, the rich and famous have been buying up property like they've done before, but more in mass numbers and greater, uh, uh, in greater anticipation for things that are to come. They've been buying up property in other countries, believing that things are going to break loose in the United States. and It's not going to be a place that's safe. But it's talking about those, those folks who think they've got the plan that there won't be a place on earth because everything, every island and all these things will be shaken and out of their place. They'll run to the mountains to hide and, and, tell, and, and ask God to let the, the rocks fall on them. First, we see a great earthquake, the first of three during this time of tribulation. An earthquake that will be beyond anything this earth has ever experienced. Along with this, and possibly because of this, the sun will become darkened and the moon will t- turn blood red. Besides the dust that will kick up in our atmosphere, there's the potential for volcanic eruptions due to this earthquake, um, especially in areas known uh, as the Ring of Fire, which contains those active volcanoes around the Pacific Rim. In other words, that God is going to do this. He's going to initiate it, but just the way he's designed nature, it's going to start coming apart because that's what we're already seeing. It's chain reaction. You You have... an earthquake under the sea one place, and you have a killer tsunami that follows and volcanic eruptions. To top all of this off, the Earth will experience a meteorite, a meteorite shower of unprecedented proportions, giving the uh, impression that the stars of the heaven are falling out of the sky. On the way back, uh, Pam and I and Dennis and Kevin, I, I was looking, unfortunately, somebody else saw it to verify, but I've seen lots of shooting stars. And they're usually white, and they just, boom, real quick, or they're, they're a light color of some kind. But there was a larger object that was bright green. I can't remember what day that was. We're coming back. Was it a Saturday? Saturday? And it had two trails of green coming off of it. And it went across the sky and dropped quick. And I thought, that looked like that hit the ground <laughs> somewhere. But there have been reports of other meteors hitting in other states. And this is something that's happened in history. But we're seeing the earth start to tremble and things happening in rapid succession in these end times. <laughs> the whole scenario is something that the prophet Joel predicted. In Joel two ten and thirty one we says, The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. So the prophet Zephaniah said it would be a day of wrath, of distress, of, of anguish, trouble, and ruin, and it'd be a day of darkness, gloom, and clouds and blackness. In Zephaniah one fifteen. You've Got to understand, believer. Though tonight, don't be uh, scared. Don't be fearful. Because if you're following Christ, if you're a believer, if you've accepted Him, these are the things that you are avoiding. These are the things that are happening to the earth. Those who who defied Him, and that's why the point is, is you don't need to revent, uh, have a, a vengeance for God. His vengeance is His. Those that you don't like in leadership, if they don't turn, they will get their own. If, if those that work with you that are persecuting, if they don't turn, they will get their own. We shouldn't revel in that. But it's just fact from Scripture that you don't have to be God's equalizer. How many are old enough to remember the equalizer? The old guy that later played Batman's uh, butler in one of the late ones. You know, I love that show. I mean, that's the guy you call, if somebody's been bad to you, he comes and takes care of it. But we don't need to be that for God. He doesn't need that. God is great enough. He doesn't need us to do that for him. To those who will be there, it'll seem as if the universe itself is shattering. And fear will grip people's heart like nothing before has, and they'll wonder and cry out, How long? Just like these saints, how long? Unfortunately, this fear won't last long. And that's because when tragedies are over, and the problem is solved, they'll go back to the, the way things were before, being soothed by Satan's lies, that it wasn't that bad. And besides, Jesus hasn't returned, as they were told he would. So there's some who don't recognize that the church has been taken and they are still looking, and I hate to say it, even some of our good Jewish friends and those who have supported to go back to Israel, because they will still be looking for the Messiah. They will have not believed before, and when he comes back takes church, they may not believe then, and in the tribulation, they may still not believe. So some of them will still be looking for a Messiah, and they'll be disappointed that he still hasn't come, and they see the world re- literally taking, coming apart. But Satan will still try to fool them one more time, make them believe that it's not going to last it's like the guy who started to fall down a cliff and he caught a hold of a tree root near the top and he yelled but no one came and then he prayed to god help saying help me um if you will help me out of this situation and he's hanging to this root that's hanging on to the side of the dirt and he's at a perilous time god will you help me i will serve you if you'll get me out of this spot and pretty soon a rope goes over the side and he climbs up he gets to the top and says never mind god someone else heard me first But that's many times God will save us from a situation and we turn around and forget that it was him that answered just because he answered in a way we didn't expect. So those who once feared for their lives fall back into their old ways. But the message for us today is to continue forward despite the trials and persecution that will come. Concerning this time period, John uh, Wolford, who was a past theologian and pastor, he is also a president at Dallas Theological Seminary, he said this. The day of the Lord is a period of time in which God will deal with the wicked men directly and dramatically in fearful judgment. Today a man may be a blasphemer of God, an atheist, and can denounce God and teach bad doctrine. Seemingly God does nothing about it. But the day designed in Scripture, the day designated in Scripture as the day of the Lord is coming when God will punish human sin. And he will deal in, in wrath and in judgment with a Christ-rejecting world. One thing we are sure of, that God in his own way will bring every soul into judgment. So the action to this message is simple. It couldn't be any more simple. Number one, reject Jesus and stand before the white throne judgment of God and try to endure the tribulation and experience God's wrath against all unbelief, which is like a lake of fire. Or two, our hope and the very purpose that New Song is here and I'm standing here tonight is to believe in Jesus Christ and receive his promise of rest and eternity in heaven, even if it means physical, spiritual, emotional persecution, or even death here on earth. We can't protect ourselves. As a father, my kids head out the door and I go through the list. Don't go in the weeds, don't pick up rocks, don't pick up wood, don't do this. And I go through the list. Don't do all this. Snakes, spiders, all those things. And it's just a little imprint of what our Heavenly Father does on a daily basis for us. Stay out of that. Stay away from this. Stay away from that person. They're leading you astray. Stay away from that doctrine. It's not the right thing for you. Stay away from this. Do this. Do that. It's not just rules. He's trying to keep you out of the fire. Amen. Amen. You know, in the book of Revelation, largely, on Wednesday nights, we have all believers. And it's great because it's not that we always have to see a mass amount of salvations at a service uh, for it to be a success because the success is in people growing in the Lord. And so as believers, Revelation, one of those books that people tend to avoid because it can seem complex, it's really simple. It's just a matter of letting you know here is what is to come. And this is why what I've told you in all the previous books is important for you to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. And with that, now you are armed with information. You're armed with the Word of God and details to it that you can share with others who are unbelievers to warn them off of coming doom. We've, we've gotten so soft in our approach that we're afraid we're going to scare them off from Christianity because we tell them about what's coming. It makes me think about the guy who works in the factory. We have one of those big machines. You've got to keep your hands out or you won't have a hand, right? And he comes in the first day and, you know, there's the trainer and he's waiting for him. But, but a lot of times you don't have to wait for the trainer because the guy with one hand says, Hey, by the way, don't get, don't get your hand in there, you know? The thing is, we've all had our hands smashed by Satan or worse. We've all had times, we've had things that have happened that we can warn others and God's word gives us insight into the near future in revelation and warn them this is what's coming for the unbeliever and because i love you in the name of the lord jesus christ i bring this message of good news and hope to you this message is not doomed for those who hear and listen and believe it's doomed for those who reject it so i come to you as a gift bringing as a gift the true gift of life that yes, even in the book of Revelation, if you see this and you understand, this is, I see what's happening in the world and I know something's wrong. I'm an unbeliever, but I know something is not right here. And I, I just feel like it's bigger than I've ever seen. And there, there seems to be something spiritual about it. Well, look here at what God gave as a closing book, closing chapters of the greatest story ever known in the kingdom of God. It says, these things shall happen. Gives us insight in that future. And all the dots can be connected. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, I just pray that God, you help us as we arm ourselves with the Word of God. Lord, I pray it would be a travesty if anybody comes to be a part of this church and that they let this be their only time in the Word during these ser- uh, services of the Scripture. That if they aren't searching it out themselves, that they're not looking at the Word of God, if they aren't doing it for more than just to find out if what was preached is, is true. God, but in combination with that, I I pray that they are searching your Scripture and arming themselves against the attacks of the enemy. That with hiding your word in their heart, that the attempts of the enemy to get them to sin against you, Lord, will fail. That, Lord, even in the face of Satan doing his worst, we can say, I will not bow. I will not follow you. I will not trade my best friend, my Lord, my King, my Jesus, for anything you have to offer because he paid a price greater than you can pay, devil. I will not perish with you, but I will have eternal life with my Lord and Savior. You're here tonight, and you just say, I, this, this word has struck deep in me. I need, to, I need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that maybe I have, I have stepped around this issue. I've tried to say I'm a believer, but I, I am not certain I don't have certainty, and don't leave here tonight without that certainty. If you're here and that's you, I want you to just quickly raise your hand. I want to pray for you. But don't leave here without that certainty. Amen. I pray that is the truth that we are all, we are all blood bought. We are names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I just want you to pray this with me Lord Jesus the time is coming near I see it from your word and what's happening in the world I pray that the urgency in this book we've been studying will propel me to share this with the unbelievers in Jesus name Amen. 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 Love y'all. And uh, stay in fellowship as long as you want. Um, It's going to be a a great week to be outside. And I just pray you'll make calls to each other and check on each other and build relationships. After all, don't, don't forget that we are called to be a community of believers. Amen. Love you. Have a good night.